morning, everybody. Hope you can hear me. Um, it's never easy to stand here and bring some challenging news. But we want to let you know that general giving to HT has been down by approximately £1,100 for each of the last five months. So he's trying to just to share some facts with you this morning. Paradoxically, this has happened after COVID restrictions ended. And throughout COVID, general giving actually slightly increased. Work that one out. <laughs> it appears to be mainly as a result of on a net reduction of about nine regular donations, about 10% of our regular givers, rather than a drop in the average amount that's being given per donation. It's not rocket science, obviously, but uh, if this shortfall continues, we would end the financial year with an income loss of about £13,000. However, we are greatly blessed to be able to cover the shortfall from reserves in the short, short term. However, clearly, this is not a sustainable situation, and we all appreciate that when we manage our own personal finances. And unless it's reversed, inevitably, it will impact future decisions. It is important for you to know that all HT's expenditure, except for Revealed and Transcend Skate Park, from heating the building to paying staff salaries, is entirely funded from your giving. We do not receive any direct finance from Elim. With inflation running over 5%, national insurance due to increase by one and a quarter percent in April, and the energy price cap rising by 54% in April, we are acutely aware and concerned by the economic pressure that personal finances are facing at this time. And that's important for us to reflect on, and we all feel that. We know our God remains in control. We are not panicking. For our part, God asks us to give generously and to manage all his resources effectively and faithfully. You'll have noticed the giving station um, at the back built by Ali Tudor. He's done a great job, and um, we're very grateful. It's designed to be a central place for all giving to HT and for financial communications, rather than you having to listen to me too often. Um, as well as a secure drawer under the shelf for your gifts, you'll find gift aid forms, standing order forms, and envelopes uh, to use for any designated gifts. Giving is part of our worship, and we appreciate that some of you may prefer to give using the basket system, which, as you know, we've moved away from for this time. Please work with us to see if we can collectively transition to using the giving station. 
For those who, of you who prefer to give by cash or check, could I encourage you to get in the habit of using the giving station as you leave church? You'll notice also in the giving station that we're promoting the GIFT, G-I-V-T, electronic giving. This is something that there was an initiative that Elin put in place during COVID to try and help churches with their finances. And for those that are happy giving electronically, it's simply a case of downloading the app, um, registering, uh, including if you want to gift aid. Um, and then each time you want to give, you can just um, use the QR code that's on the, uh, the backboard. So once you register, it does become a simple process. You'll be pleased to know that's me, finished. Thank you for listening. Happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Give him a round of applause. Church treasurers, I'll tell you what, they're the bearers of good news when it's good news, but bad news when it's bad news. Uh, but it's not so much bad news. This is, these are the seasons and the times in which uh, uh, we are in. And um, I suppose uh, what, um, what Nehemiah was doing, he was, he was just informing. He wanted to give the people... Uh, and tell the people the reality of their situation and where they were at that particular point. Uh, and, uh, and today, you know, if you've arrived on, uh, here on Sunday and this is your first time, yes, we're, we're looking, no, I'm not going to say we're empty, but we are bereft of all our young people, lots of people away, lots of COVID in the church, and all manner of different things. And there are seasons in the life of church that come and go, and we are in a season at this moment. But sometimes I, I have this... I've got this brilliant thing in Nepal. You could walk into the hospital and you, can get, you could get an x-ray. You just walk in and pay for it. I think it was £2.50. You know, I'll have an x-ray, please. Um, and I remember, you know, that this was taken because it, was, it wasn't trying to give an understanding. Don't I look good? What a fine ribcage I have. Uh, and, and don't I look thin there? Look at that. And it's designed not to tell you what you were like. It's not designed to tell you what you will be like. It's designed to tell you where you are. The current condition, exactly where you are, it shows you this is it. This is what's happening inside. And there's an element of understanding where, where are we. And, uh, you know, it's really, really important to understand that there's not just what I want to be or not what I was, but where am I now. Now, I was actually due in our doctrine series to be preaching about and talking about a subject that Jesus spoke more about than most of the subjects, which was hell. Now, you think that, well, you're glad you missed that one, aren't you? You're probably thinking, you know, but, you know, but I've, I'm, I'm going to postpone that. You'll be really pleased to know today because uh, there's something that I really felt, uh, you know, in my, on my heart to bring uh, this morning. And uh, recently I saw President Biden uh, and he was giving the annual State of the Union address to the American people. I don't know if you saw it uh, and, uh, you know, it was just an update. I don't often look on what's happening in America in that sense, but it kind of caught my eye. Uh, and the purpose of the speech is simple. It's, uh, it's to assess the current condition of the nation. It's not designed really to, to tell you where the nation was. Uh, or it wasn't designed really to tell you where the nation would be. These are both important things to understand. But it was designed simply to say, 
this is it. This is where we are. This is our current situation. And Nehemiah, in our reading, does exactly the same thing in the second chapter of the book of Nehemiah. Now, I'm not suggesting that we are in the same spiritual state as the uh, people of uh, Jerusalem at that time, but I'm not advocating that you may not be in a spiritual state where you're thinking to yourself, where am I, what's happening, so on and so forth in our lives. But it is really important, it seems, to Nehemiah that the people are fully appraised. He goes around and he, he does a number of things. He wants to understand the situation and the current moment that they're in. Not one day where they will be, but where they actually are. It's almost like a state of the moment uh, address for uh, Jerusalem and Israel. And it's important for them to know what's going on. And there's three things that really happen here. Verses 11 to 16, it says he examines and gains a complete understanding of the condition. It's important to you, for you to know, what, how many of you know what's in your bank account? Please tell me that you know what's in your bank account. You're going, yeah, I know where I am. And, you know, maybe we know when the bills are going out. We know, you know the situation that you are in, your financial situation. It might be, you know, that you are going to be preparing for some changes to come, as we all are. But he examines and gains a complete understanding of the condition of the moment. And then in verse 17, it just simply says, he informs the people of the current reality. He tells them the truth unvarnished. He says, this is it. I've been around and this is the condition that we are in. And I think one of the key elements of uh, the ministry of any leader is to define reality. This is where we are. This is where we're going to need to work from. This is it. And it's the same in our spiritual lives, in our current lives, wherever we are. You have to determine where you are. Not where you want people to think you are but where you really are. And when everyone's gone, you know where you're really at, don't you? Yes, Steve. And verse 18, it says, as a group of people, it go, they go on to be, as a nation and as a people, inspired to rebuild. So it's not all about telling people where they're at and it's not good enough, but it's telling people where we're at so we can understand where we need to move from Two. That's the key. We're not here to hang millstones around people's heads. We're here to also speak about the liberty and the freedom. And I felt compelled just to give the church, uh, and it seems a bit ironic, doesn't it? A church, when m most chairs are all got, not here today, and there's, there's at least 80, 90, 100 people away, you know, you think to yourself, it's the worst time to be given an update, really. Uh, but it is what it is. And so um, if you are uh, on the internet, you know, at the end of this, share. Share with everyone who's from the church. Can I encourage you to uh, ask people to uh, look on the, uh, on the HT website at the end of this? Because I want to give a bit of an update of where we are. Now, if you're new to the church or you're here for the first time, this is not normal. I wouldn't be doing this. But I just felt that it was really important to give an update of where we are. And it's not all just to do with money. You know, there's some good stuff happening. Uh, I'm a really, really, thank you, brother. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, with regards to uh, different things that are happening in the life of the church. But without examination, followed by clear communication, there can be no inspiration and no restoration. 
It's a little pathway, isn't it? It's quite clever, really, when you think about it. Examination, clear communication, inspiration, restoration. And if you only take hold of that this morning, that's a good thing. Where are you in that process? Do you need some examining? Well, that's why we're going to be having communion in just a little while because Jesus says, do this often as you meet because we kind of forget really quickly, don't we? We kind of, we kind of cut ourselves a lot of slack sometimes. Oh, I'll get around to it. Sometimes we've just got to be honest and be real about our current reality as we look on the uh, x-ray of our lives. So I want to briefly update you on a few things with regards to the current state of Holy Trinity. And my hope is that, uh, as I say, if you're here today, you will press the share button uh, a little bit later on. It says Nehemiah uh, in uh, chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17, it says, He gathered all the priests, all the officials, all the nobles, and all the people, uh, and they had, a t- <clears throat> they had a team talk. They had a team talk. He said, it's time to huddle in. It's time to understand that you need a glass of water. I'm actually sure that Nehemiah had one of these, so I'm being really biblical. Thank you, Neil. And they had a team talk. Reality um, wasn't good news for the Jews. Um, They were in a terrible plight. They were in a difficult situation. And someone had to go in and actually say some stuff to them. His name was Nehemiah. He'd never built a wall. uh, And and he didn't really have a relationship with the people in that sense because he'd never been there before. Can you imagine turning up as a stranger just basically to say, got some news for you. Um, Here's the current reality. But thankfully, they received it well. Now, we are still in the process uh, of regathering after uh, uh, the COVID. We are still very much in that process. Uh, And post-COVID, we were averaging on a Sunday morning between 180 to 215 people. Uh, This week, I did something really foolish. Well, it wasn't foolish. I did it two years ago. Last week, I had a phone call that said, your order's ready. And you think to yourself, aye, aye, who's this? So I said, what, what order? He says, you're 25 chairs. And then, it, then, I, then I suddenly realized two years ago, I ordered 25 chairs because we were running at 215 people and we'd run out of chairs. And it took them two years to get here. And not only did we not need them, we're running at a deficit of a thousand pounds a month, and I'm going, really? They're ready. You've ordered them. I says it would have really been helpful if you had actually told me that you were still in business. <laughs> so Friday last week, 25. Some of them, some of you are sat on one of them right now. You know, they're the ones that haven't got any kind of chocolate tea or coffee on. So they arrived, and I thought this, was it me just, oh, what, a, what was I thinking? What, what a twit? Or was this kind of almost God smiling at me going, well, get ready. Well, at least one of the two of us are thinking to ourselves, get ready. Some of us are just thinking, what a twit. <laughs> but we're still in the process of regathering because we were running a, you know, a, a, lot, you know, a good number of folk. Last, since we started back, we are averaging now between 150 and 170 people. Not today. And there's a, probably a multiple of reasons, but that we are missing 50, 60, 70 people. 
who have not been back to our church since we've been open for, I'm not, it's, not, it's just a fact. I'm just stating the reality. We've not seen them. We've worked hard. We've lots of gathering events, and Dawn has worked very hard at trying to regather, bring people back together, but we are still in the process of regathering. And if you know people who have not been back to church, and if you're at home right now thinking, oh, I'll, I'll stay at home, I want to say, come back. Let us come back together. Let us not forsake the regathering as often as we can because it's really, really important. But it's just a simple reality. On the other side, you know, we've got 40, 50 young people who are away at the moment who are having an amazing time. Stunning. There's always kind of, it's not all bad. We have lots of young people who have, you know, started and, 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 and connected with the church because of our youth work. And we have a fabulous youth team. Fabulous feels eerie that this just silent, doesn't it? In church almost. But it's really, really wonderful to see. And we've intentionally invested and we will continue to invest heavily into families, into life uh, with children and in our young people uh, and, and so on. And, you know, and with regards to Glow and Kids, uh, you know, we are in, in such a wonderful uh, uh, you know, position in all of our youth work. But I'm going to mention more about this. We are desperately in need. Of workers. I would say that we are in the middle of the greatest harvest and we have a problem. We don't have enough workers. You say, you're making me feel bad. No, I'm just telling the reality of where we are. We need workers for GLOW. We need workers for HD Kids. It's amazing because our toddler group now has 40 parents and children who are coming regularly to attend the toddler group. And Sarah's not here, but I would have mentioned her name. She has done magnificently, but she has been leading on her own. 42 people coming to this building. We, and she has a couple of helpers, fantastic helpers. Thank God that we have helpers, but she's on her own. So many first-time attenders. It's a wonderful outreach ministry, but we desperately need workers. We have Messy Church. Next week, we have 78 people booked in, not including our team. 78 people coming to our Messy Church, 42 who have never set foot in this church before. That's good news. You'll be pleased to know we don't need any workers for that one. It's a current update. It's really, really good. In our small groups, uh, we are, uh, fant it's fantastic. We've got 18 small groups now, you know, where discipleship is the key. We are a church where we would want to say, if you come to our church, you cannot not become more like Jesus. And the more like Jesus you become, the more we will do what Jesus did. It's just a simple reality. The more like him we become, the more we will take on his countenance and his character and his heart for people. It's just a given. So it's not making people do things, but if we make people become like him, like make disciples, then they will do what Jesus did. It seems very simple, but it's so hard because sheep are so bad. It's a place where we empower people, see people grow and develop. That's where we want it to be. It's not there. It's not perfect. It's not this, that, the other. But that's our heart. And we would encourage and inspire people to come along. It's a place where we laugh together, build relationships together. And the primary purpose of every Christian is to become more like Jesus. You say, what's our church for? It's to help people to become like Jesus. Those who are miles away to come one mile closer to becoming like Jesus. That's the point. 
So our small groups are continuing to, to journey and to continue to focus and to, to go on. Through small groups, Jesus spent a lot of his time with small groups. He was in one. And it was key. And I would really encourage you, if you're not part of a small group, I would really encourage you to join one and see Neil or myself. Really good. Small groups are growing. We're going to continue to see that grow. Giving you an update, just the reality. We are planting a church in Burnham-on-Sea. We've been doing it under the shadows. Uh, We've just not been making big noise. We're not putting it on Facebook. We're not going zing-zang, look at what we're doing. We've just said, it's time. At a time when the church is regressing, and I've said to you before, this this town has seen five churches gone in the last two years. Gone. Gone. We need to sit there and not go, oh, dear, dear, dear. We've got to be on the offensive. We've got to be in the sense of saying, Lord, this cannot be the sum of all that you can do. Someone has to go first again or for the first time. We're not making any bold declarations, but I wanted to tell you that we've been there since September 21, a small team of seven of us. You know, we're looking to see a breakthrough. We're looking for God to do something amazing over the next few months. And within the next year, we hope to establish a church. It's the first time we've mentioned it, really gone into any detail, but we, we you know, pray for people like Joey. People say, you know, um, you know we, and I'm coming on to this now, why, 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 have we got, why, why have we got so many MITs? We've got three. Uh, in fact, Ruben's not here today, but Ruben is going to be joining us in June. But he's doing something really amazing. He's going to join us as a tent maker. What does that mean? He doesn't want a salary. He wants to come and learn. He wants to plant churches. So we have Joey, and we have Reuben, and we have Christy. And why, why are we doing that? Because we're investing heavily in people. Why? Because if you invest in people, my understanding is that you get people. If you invest in Dolby system at the back, you get a good sound system. And that's great. Maybe the AV, the AV guys are going, yes. But the reality is we invest in people. Why? Because people are the key. Jesus invested in people. And so we want to see that. And so we've invested in that. And so in the church plant, these are the guys who are going to be cutting, as it were, uh, their teeth, finding out, looking, looking how to do it. But, you know, they're not on their own. And if you are saying, well, I want some of that, come and see me. Because there are plenty of villages, plenty of places. And we have a plan. And we're not planting a church. We're looking to start movement. This is what we really believe, where we make disciples, where we win people for Jesus, where we need to be brave and we need to be courageous. We're going back to the second book of, uh, second chapter of Nehemiah, it says, but when Sambale, uh, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Amorite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about what we were planning, they mocked us and they ridiculed us. What do you think you're doing at a time of COVID when you're losing money, you haven't got this and you haven't got that? Listen. Listen, we know in whom we believe. And the thing about Nehemiah is that he didn't come with a good idea. He had an encounter with God, and that's what made the difference. He wept and fasted, and he came before God, and God said to him, it's, it's, it's time. And we need those kind of men and women within our church who just say, it's on me, God's come upon me, this is a season, this is a moment. And you know, you'll never get that moment again. I answered them, Nehemiah. 
all full of fear? No. All going, oh yes, maybe they're right. No. He answered them saying, the God of heaven will give us success. And we, his servant, will start the work anyway. I like it. The depressing thing about having paper these days is that people know how many sheets you've got. And they're counting. What is the state? Where are we? What's happening? Well, we have some projects. It's great. Reveal projects. We are in multiples of schools, 20 schools that we are in throughout this, this town and beyond North Somerset in so many places because Reveal Projects is, is one of the key elements and we're building pathways now so our youth worker can go in, start doing assemblies and not only doing assemblies but we can start ministering to the school so we can get readers in the school. We sent a, an email out to 20, 30 people just to say, can you help us? We need more workers to read to kids in school. And maybe the guys who were stood on the dung gate said, well, someone else can do it. Or maybe they saw the big picture when Nehemiah came and went, I understand we all have a part to play. And every one of us has a huge part to play. Revealed is magnificent. It's not perfect. We're not there. But we've, I see revealed as one of those icebreaker ministries. Let me tell you now, the current environment is that, you know, um, organizations and government don't want churches in places like that. They're suspicious of us. So we have to be trained up, degreed up, we have to be professional and we have to do it right in order to be there. Transend is looking to start again. We have a skate park. We have a skate park. We're the only church in Elim that has a skate park. We need more workers. And we're starting again and it's beginning to, to, to bubble up and there's a new day after COVID. We're going to get that working. Where? In the schools, wherever. And Andy Scam's got a fabulous heart and vision. Just giving you an update of where we are. Do we have all the answers? No, we've got more questions than we have answers. It's a bit like your life. Then we have Green Door, social services, knocked on our door and says, can you help us? When do social services do that? And so we have a, a small group of people now who are being honed and shaped to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be carers and helpers in the community, volunteers who can just really love people who are broken and pained. Thank you, Jesus. Good things happening. I could go on to so much more, but the reality is I know that time's going. The URC Church... Where are we? Some of you may or may not know that we are looking at a, a, a building uh, in the middle of town. I sent a letter um, uh, just uh, uh, last year. I put this letter, in fact, I remember showing it Phil and Phil smiled at me. Phil, Phil when he smiles, I don't quite know what that means. Uh, but he was very, it's okay, yeah, okay, send it. And I sent this letter and I put it through the letterbox thinking, how audacious, how, how, I didn't even know anyone there. And I shove a letter through a letterbox saying, can I have your building? Can we work together? What, what's your plans? That's transpired into, yes, can we talk? And we've journeyed for the last year. I'm not saying we're going to buy it, but I want to give you an update of where we are. Why? Because I think we need to get off the side street and we need to get on the main street. Now, I, I'm not planned to say that, but something in my heart just simply says, we cannot be on the, the top there. Look, that's our church over there. 
Many folk have said to me, you know, if our church was in, in the right place, it would be amazing what God could do. Let me tell you what. You know, if, if we're in the wrong place, God's not done bad over the last kind of 20 years with, with, with what Claude did and all the boys. If we're in the right, do you imagine if we were in the right place? And I'm not talking about right places or wrong places. I'm just trying to say there ain't a building that's going to be as cheap as this one in the middle of town. It's got seating for 400 people. It's got a sports hall and a gymnasium. It's got another minor hall that seats 100 people. And there are lots of ancillary rooms. And then there's an upstairs and there's a kitchen that's as big as my house. £350,000. Some of you are sat there saying, my house is worth more than that. Oh, we've got the money. It's just all in the wrong bank accounts. We just have to find a way to navigate. Lord, we ask in faith. Why would we ask in faith? Now, I didn't even plan to say this. I'm going off. I'm going off. This is dangerous. Why are we asking in faith for something that we've already got? Stephen, current climate. Let me tell you the current climate of Jerusalem. No one had anything. All the walls are broken down. Security is gone. All the gates are down. They're a laughing stock. Yet God did something quite incredible. We're going uh, to the URC uh, on Sunday the 15th of May. We are going to uh, have a service there. And I want to tell you two months in advance so that you know. Because we would want everybody, boy, girl, man, woman, whatever you are, cats, dogs, if you've got a horse, bring it along. We want everyone to see and experience and get a feel. Let me tell you though, there's no parking. There is on a Sunday, it's free. There's no parking. Didn't plan to say this, but you know what? Do you know what? Did, was there any parking in Jerusalem? Was there any parking in... There's lots of problems and challenges all around and we're trying to understand how can we navigate this. And all I'm doing is telling you where we are. So we're going for a look-see. We've already been. I've looked there and gone, wow, lovely. But now we're getting an understanding of what the building's like and trying to find out what's what where. But, you know, this is a moment for us that we need to navigate well. And if the answer is no and it's not the right building, I will not be crying over spilt milk because it's not spilt because God didn't want us to have it. Because I'm not about buildings. This one, I love it. I love it. I do. I love what God has done in HMSHT over 20, 30 years. 50 years. We used to have a shack at the bottom of the hill. Who remembers the shack at the bottom of the hill? Oh, look at that. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Shack at the bottom of the hill and then Lord provided this for us. A shack at the top. A wonderful, wonderful home. How many of you have moved in life, buildings, houses? How many of you have ever moved? You just know there comes a moment and a time. You might say, Steve, where did this come from? We've been moving for 25 years. We've been looking at buildings all over this town for years. This is just another one. So Sunday the 15th of May, we want you to come down and we want you to have a look and we want you to tell us the truth and varnish. Because please don't say to me, yeah, let's buy it. And then we buy it. Then you say, I'm not paying parking on a Sunday. And then we go somewhere else. We're not doing that. We need honesty. We need to be open and we need to be very, very real. Which brings us on to finances.
We've heard from Phil the current situation. I want to say, you know, I think our church is magnificent when it's come to giving. I, th- I really do. I, I, I think it's been absolutely amazing. But we know that there's, there's a reality that we're facing at this moment in time where we're looking at a 12 to 15,000 pound shortfall. For me, given inflation and all the things, the other factors, I think we're looking at more at 15 to 20,000 pounds. But that's me. I'm just negative, aren't I? We're mindful of the times that people are in, that we're all in. We understand the pressures that families are under, and I appreciate that this is always a delicate matter. Uh, but it's important for us to know the financial situation of the church. Not, not to make anyone feel anything, but to, to give you the understanding of where we are. Giving is part of our worship. It comes out of our thankfulness for what God has done in our life. I'm going to do something that I've never done. Now... I'm going to share one personal example for you today just to give an illustration. And I'm not saying that you should do this or make people feel bad or anything like this. I'm just saying it's a personal illustration. Helen and I tithe 10% of our gross income as part of our worship to God. We have always done that. We have always done this as the first outgoing that goes out every month, every time. Whatever the situation, whenever we have been in the work, when we were in Nepal and we were, we were earning, I think, 12,000 pounds a year as a family of four, we always gave. It's a principle. And it's not even a principle. I love him. I love him. He's got my heart. And if he's got my wallet, it's proof that he's got my heart. After our tithe, after our tithe, our 10%. So if you say someone's earning £30,000 a year, I would say after the £300, that's when I would then give to missions additionally and projects like our own projects and outreach endeavours. It's important that leaders lead by example. I would not be asking anyone to do what I and we ourselves are not prepared to do And why do I say that? Not to make you feel guilty, but to say this is the reality of where we are. And this is an opportunity for the whole of the HT community to reflect on how we respond in our worship to God and our finances. Phil would be delighted, I'm sure, to talk to anyone at the end of this if that's something that you would want to help with. I don't call money helping. It's part of our worship. It really is. If we had time in part of this series that we're on with regards to doctrines and things like that, with regards to our giving, you know, we will be approaching this as well uh, as a church and how we give, why we give, and how we should give. But I've only given mine as a personal illustration. Coming into land, giving you all hope. Volunteers. We thank God for every person who is involved in stewarding, in the children's work, in leading, volunteering in any way. Uh, But having talked to, yeah, another merely minister, I'm sure that this would be the case. Having talked to lots of early ministers, um, most churches are down 50 to 80% of volunteers. 50 to 80% of our workforce for legitimate reasons. I'm not trying to get at people. I'm just speaking the, the reality of the situation of where we are. 
HT is included in that 50 to 80 percent of we are down that amount of people in our work. Nehemiah knew that without the people of Jerusalem, the walls would not get rebuilt. Didn't have a clever idea. His, his idea was people. That's why we invest in people. That's why we need people. People are key. God calls people. God sends people. It is his people that he gives his authority to, to do the work that he's called them to do. And as we come to land now, um, when we're talking about volunteers, the title of chapter 3 in in all of your Bibles, probably certainly the the NIV, it says, Builders of the Wall. That's the title of the chapter. Builders of the Wall. Nehemiah's examination and clear communication led to inspiration and restoration. Remember that. Now, having declared the state of the nation, the community then responded, He declared the truth, the truth unvarnished, the reality of where they were. And the community responded. And they did something amazing against all the odds. We are in a time when the church is working against all the odds. Against all the odds, the project was completed. Unity of heart, unity of mind and spirit were the ingredients that would change everything. They kind of all got it. And I'm not advocating that we haven't got it. This is the people of Jerusalem. But this is what it says. Verse 3, the fish gate was rebuilt. Verse 6, the Jeshana gate was, was rebuilt. Verse 13, the valley gate was rebuilt. Uh, and then some poor soul got the dung gate. But even that one got rebuilt. Then the fountain gate, verse 15, was repaired and rebuilt. And I love this guy in verse 20 of chapter 2. It says, Zabai. There's a good name for a young man if you're going to get pregnant. This, the graph, call him this. Zabai. Why? It says, Zabai zealously repaired this, sec- sec- this section of the, wall, of the wall. He was zealous. Let's get going. He was zealously repairing the wall. And all you could hear is the sound of hammers. Chink, 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 chink. That's all you could hear for 52 days. And then in verse 32, the sheep gate was repaired. Uh, in this very brief overview, we could have said a lot more about many things that are happening in our church that is good. But in this brief overview, we have an understanding of the state of the church. What part can we play? What section of the HT wall needs attention? Well, we prayer what section of the wall needs help and restoration nine men are carrying a log on one end one man is carrying the log on the other end if you want to help you know immediately what end of the log you need to go to. HT at this time needs workers. Um, and we need workers on the one-man end of the log. That's where we need. That's our journey over this next season. That's the current reality. The truth unvarnished. What current state are you and I in when it comes to our own wall? It's caught to. But you know what? We're going to come to a time of communion and um, 
It's an opportunity for us to think as we come unitedly in mind and heart and soul. What does that then mean? I'm not asking anyone to do anything. I'm just... Just having a look at where we are. I don't quite know what that little kind of thing is there. I never asked, but I'm still here. So it must be all right. But someone said to me, this is where you are. You're all right. But I wonder when it comes to our spiritual and our understanding of service or even our giving, whatever it might be, what does the x-ray look like? Lord, help us. So if you can stay for just for another five minutes, I'm going to ask Neil just to lead us in this short. The nice thing about having communion like this is that we don't have to spend too much time, but it's not meant to be rushed. It just means that it's convenient. But convenience doesn't mean to say that it becomes easy. It's not meant to be easy. So Neil, just in these last couple of minutes, if you could lead us, that would be ace. Thank you so much.